Casey and that's Kayla. I'm Kayla and that's Casey. And this is Devil's Food. Where we talk about true crime and stuff. And it's a podcast. And we're here every Wednesday. Be there or be square. I would prefer if you were there. Yeah, I would prefer <laughs> if you were there too. So every week we take turns with cases. And this is a Casey week. Yay! So Casey... What do you have? So, I have something that is considered local for us. Mm-hmm. And I love a good local case. I'm I'm a slut for a good local case. Just um, sliding out of your seat <laughs> for a local case. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, this case takes place pretty close by to us. Mm-hmm. So... For those who don't know, we live in the Appalachian Mountains. Don't come for me when I say Appalachian. It is Appalachian, not Appalachian. People who are from Appalachian. Appalachia. Appalachia. Uh, that's just how we say it. I didn't realize that people really said Appalachia. Yeah. Until I heard another true crime podcast, and they're from up north. From It's the Morbid Podcast, and they're from like Boston. Oh, yeah. And they say Appalachia. Drives me nuts. And they're like, yeah, we didn't we didn't realize that there was like other ways of saying it. We just that's just how we say it. If you're from Appalachia, you are dead set on the fact that it's Appalachia and not Appalachia. Yeah. Like think of it as I'm gonna throw an Appalachia. Yeah. <laughs> I heard someone say that. I was like, I'm gonna throw an Appalachia. We anyway. have Bigfoot and we have Mothman and we have the Squonk and our hills are older than anything on the United States, so mm-hmm. be afraid of us. Anyways, we're here for some murder today. We should do an episode on like Appalachian folklore. Oh, there's so much. I can tell I can talk all day about Haints and <laughs> Mothman. Mothman and why you should hang brooms above your doors and throw rice outside your doorstep. I don't have a broom above my door. The Haints are going to get you. You're not supposed to say Haint. And there's another one that you're not supposed to say that I'm not going to say because it's the, horrible. The flesh pedestrians. The flesh pedestrians. I, that's what I was trying to think of. Some, I think Scott said that the other day. It's, well, I've heard it on, I guess this is a Morbid Stan podcast at this point. I do I heard, like Morbid. I, I heard it on Morbid. So that's the only way I could think to say it that won't get us in trouble. Yeah. I'm not trying to get stalked down in the middle of the night. Like if you hear like your a name. baby crying in the middle of the night or if, if you, you hear, hear someone calling your name yeah you didn't you didn't it's just you don't go into the woods at night mm-hmm. i just... love that i live in the woods <laughs> yeah that that would scare me mm-hmm. i couldn't do it it's fine it's not <laughs> <laughs> anyways anyways this is uh not not that podcast today we're talking about a different thing <laughs> today we're talking about arthur ray jenkins the third uh, so he was declared mentally ill at the age of 13. His childhood included neglect, physical abuse, and sexual abuse. Mm, it was guy. not a good time for Arthur. Yeah. At age 16, he was sentenced to seven years for burglar, burglary. I can't say that word. He burgled somebody. He burglared someone. <laughs> and grand larceny for breaking into a gas station. 
1989, he was relocated to the Washington County Jail for his own protection after speaking out regarding a prison murder. So I never got clarification on if the prison murder was something that he saw happen or if it's something that he did. So, but he was relocated for his own safety. Okay. So September 6, 1990, he was released from jail without supervision, without medication. We've established that he was mentally ill. He has some problems. Mm -hmm. So that was number one. Not starting off great. No. Uh, he was out of jail for 36 days before committing the murders of his uncle, Floyd Jenkins, who was 72, and his uncle's friend, Lee Brinklow, who was 69. On October 12, 1990, Arthur was out drinking with his brother, Kevin Frame, who I couldn't find an age on. I can only assume he was close mm -hmm. to his 20s because they were both out drinking. So this was Arthur and his friend? Arthur and his brother. Arthur and his brother. Okay. Um, Arthur proceeded to get into a fight outside of a restaurant. And his mother and grandmother proceeded in removing him from the location around 10 p.m. Um, rewind. His mother and grandmother proceeded in removing him from the location of the fight. Around 10 p.m., Arthur Jenkins and Kevin Frame entered the home of his aunt, Elizabeth Morris, who was fortunately not home at the time. Okay, that's good. Uh... He had been living in the home along with his uncle, Floyd Jenkins, and his uncle's friend, Lee Brinklow. Now, Kevin was not supposed to be in the home due to Arthur's aunt not liking him and not allowing him there. Um, so a fight began between Arthur and Lee Brinklow. During the argument, Arthur Jenkins went and obtained a twenty-two rifle capable of firing one shot at a time. He loaded the gun and shot Brinklow in the face. The shot was not lethal. So, Brinklow was just... Fucked up. Messed up. Not a having a good time. shotgun to the face? Shotgun to the face. Uh, I don't... I can't say I know a lot about ballistics with specific guns. I can definitely say that I am not educated at all on those. I don't know much, if anything. I'm gonna go with a shotgun to the face. If that did not kill you, you're messed up. That shit had to hurt. Shotgun, straight to the face. I would think, uh, never mind. <laughs> I couldn't think of a way to word it. But yeah, I just imagined that you, were, you would not survive it. But I guess he did. He, he, uh, he survived that. Mm. Arthur proceeded in going into the bedroom in which his uncle was just listening to the radio. How his uncle did not hear the shotgun. shotgun? <laughs> just absolutely floors me. Um, he was. He was jamming. He was he was doing something. He was listening to some classic rock, blaring it. I mean, and our then, classic rock at that time would have just been normal rock. When was this? The 90s? The 80s? 80s. It was modern day rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It was the 90s. I'm sorry. My bad. Wow, Casey. My own story. <laughs> Messing it up already. <laughs> anyway. So, Cannot confirm he was listening to rock. <laughs> he was listening to something, though. That was jamming out, apparently. Um, so he proceeded and in going into the bedroom. He reloaded the gun and held it to his uncle's head and shot him. It was also a non-lethal shot. I want to know how he's shooting these people for and, him to be non-lethal. Like, is like it, in the face, like, in the head. It's got to be, like, going through the cheek. I was going to say, it's got to be going, like, cheek to cheek. Yeah. Or something. So his uncle began Ugh. to gag. And he and 
that's when Arthur returned to the living room where Brinklow was. So Lee Brinklow apparently had a gun in his truck, and Arthur As knew most that. Locals do. Yeah, most locals do. That's mm-hmm. because you don't know what's in the woods. We've established this. We've established. Um, so Arthur had picked him up and escorted him out to the truck to find the gun that he kept out there. They could not locate the gun. Mm-hmm. So Arthur escorted Brinklow back into the house where he laid him on the floor of his uncle's bedroom. So you got his uncle in there. On the bed. On the bed, making all these noises because mm-hmm. he's been shot in the face. Mm-hmm. And you got Brinklow in there. Chilling on the floor. Also, also shot in the face. Shot in the face on the floor. Jeez. So this is where it gets kind of um, gross. Okay. Arthur proceeded in obtaining two butcher-style knives out of the kitchen, gave one to Kevin, and then he kept one, of course. And this was his brother. He gave one knife to his brother? Yeah, gave one knife to his brother, and then he held on to the other one. Okay. He then shot his uncle in the head again and proceeded stabbing him in the abdomen where he disemboweled him. And then Arthur shot Brinklow in the head again where he also stabbed him and disemboweled him. Both bodies were placed in the bed of Brinklow's truck. Arthur proceeded to drive the truck away from the home. During trial, he stated that the original plan was to drive the truck to the police station. However, his brother Kevin talked him into going to a different location. A short distance from the home, Arthur lost control of the truck and ended up in a creek where they left it. So, the fun thing about this case is I personally know people who... Mm-hmm. Knew these people. Oh, really? Who uh, stood trial during everything for chain of evidence. And the rumor was is that it had been raining. And they knew if they left the truck near the creek, the water would rise and it would mm. carry the truck away. Gotcha. Which is almost what happened. Um, the police. There they was got a whole, to it before, I guess. Yeah, the police got to the truck before it was able to go. Um, and there was actually a mishandling in the chain of evidence because they had oh. to pull this truck out and they didn't get a chance to take all the crime scene pictures and stuff that they would. Yeah, I imagine do. when you have rain and rising water, you have to kind of act. Yeah, they, they had to act fast. So well, that's unfortunate. Arthur and Kevin walked back to the home where they attempted to clean up the scene. Uh, and they also stole money and other valuables from his aunt. They attempted to flee the southwestern Virginia. So they just came home, cleaned it up the best they could, stole as much as they could. And they're like, okay, bet. Let's let's head out. Head when, out west. When they could have easily went the other direction and crossed state lines and probably right. got farther. So close to West Virginia. Yeah. So close to West Virginia. They were like, let's go south. Because if you cross state lines, then you have, like, police trying to communicate with each other. And they could have bought themselves some They could have bought themselves some times. But I'm going to go with not a criminal mastermind. Oh, absolutely not. This was just, it just happened. It's just kind of spur of the moment thing. Spur of the moment disembowelment. Sometimes you got to. <laughs> um, on October 13th, 1990, <laughs> Arthur's aunt, Elizabeth Morris, returned home where she found the mess and was qu- missing quite a few of her valuables. Shortly after police found the truck, Arthur was arrested in Abington, Virginia, around 11.30 p.m. So, again, they could have gone over state lines and just Mm -hmm. didn't. On October 14th, Arthur was being transported back to Warren County. During the seven-hour trip back, he asked questions about being charged. He asked questions 
mm-hmm. to the police about being charged with capital murder and if the bodies were found. The officers transporting him back stated that Arthur was very talkative about the acts that were committed. On October 15th and 16th, he made confession videotapes, confession videotapes that came out weird, um, in, the the, confession. in the presence of the officers who transported him home. On April 20th, 1999, he was executed by a lethal injection. Before the execution took place, he stated, forgive me for my sins. During this time on death row, uh, he tried to assault the guards and made makeshift knives out of razor blades. So he was just... I'm really shocked he did not... Um... Try to kill himself Yeah, I was trying yeah. to think of the best way to word that, but yeah, I sh- I'm shocked he did not do that. If he was able to make knives out of razor blades, mm-hmm. you think he would at least try. But no, he um... was too fixated on trying to stab guards. Mm-hmm. But He had free time. That's our... Locally, I didn't realize until this case that I just never really thought about it. This is our second time recording this because the audio was jacked in the first one. I didn't realize that the Virginia had the death penalty at one point because I don't think we do anymore. I don't think we do anymore. I think it, um, I think it stopped in the early 2000s. Yeah, you just don't think about if your state has the death penalty unless you're trying yourself to avoid it. (laughs) And I've never been in that situation. Yeah, so 2021 was when we, as the state of Virginia, abolished the death penalty. I just Googled it. Google. Google. So, Arthur Jenkins is actually buried in a cemetery that I go to frequently for work. Um, He's got an unmarked grave. He was cremated, and um, my my boss Mm -hmm. is actually the one that oversaw the burial. So, he knows where he's buried. Mm. It's just an unmarked grave. Gotcha. So, if we ever wanted to go visit a serial you killer. Know, I'm going to say no. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> For that one, anyway. <laughs> Maybe one day when I'm up there just doing so, work, I'll go check it out. I think I said this the last time we recorded. I can't remember. I am freaked out by the idea of an unmarked grave. <laughs> like, I don't like the idea of you're walking around a cemetery. I guess I'm so used to walking around cemeteries that that yeah. kind of stuff doesn't bother me. I think me. I just want to, like, you kind of naturally want to, like, avoid stepping on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But see, here the thing is, I know there's a lot of unmarked graves. Oh, yeah, for I sure. just know that there's a lot. I had a friend, this is unrelated, she had a cadaver dog, and she would go to historic cemeteries, and the dog would pick up on unmarked graves. Oh, wow. So I know there's a lot. <laughs> But it kind of freaks me out that you could be walking around and not You never know your proximity knowing. to a dead body. Probably closer than you think. Usually closer than you think. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us for our short story. Yeah, this is our mini, but I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.